It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My CEO guests today are Paul Anton and Leigh Said, co-founders of Hoop. Paul is a Greek-American originally from Milwaukee. Before founding Hoop, he was working as an intellectual property attorney in San Francisco, where he helped numerous companies obtain valuable IP. It was through his work in intellectual property where Paul learned about business and what makes a company truly valuable. Paul's first company, Atlas Media, was an out-of-home advertising startup that was acquired by one of the nation's leading advertising companies. Shortly after that, Paul went on to found Real Shot, an augmented reality basketball gaming company that became part of Doji Telecom. Laith is an Arab American, also from Milwaukee. He helped co-found a luxury rideshare app that has done over 60 million rides to date. He then moved on to an AI recruitment technology that did 20 million in sales in its first year. And Laith's an operational leader building successful teams and hitting deadlines is his expertise. His love for basketball technology and blending the two together is the motive for creating Hoop. Paul and Laith, welcome into the corner office. Thanks so much for having us, Brent. Great to have you both here. Now, we just talked a few minutes ago about you guys have different voices. So I don't know, maybe you have to one, one of you has to maybe do a little bit of a different disguise voice so we know which one is which. But uh, who was that? Was that Paul or was that you, Laith? That was Paul. <laughs> right. That was right. me. <laughs> All right. Well, these guys are amazing and we're going to hear about their products in a few minutes and the wonderful stuff that they're doing and kind of how we met, which is kind of interesting through another amazing product, but we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, as you guys have told me most recently, you knew each other before birth. I think your fathers were best friends. So who wants to start off with that story and, and kind of maybe, you know, the backstory of how your dads knew each other? Yeah, I can go ahead and start. Uh, Paul here, Laith and I, we grew up together in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our dads actually met at the foreign exchange program in the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, UWM. Uh, my father was from Greece. Laith's father was from Jordan. So they knew each other. They became really close friends. Uh, so technically, we knew each other since before birth. But Laith and I, we grew up together in Milwaukee. We started multiple businesses together. Laith was always the most entrepreneurial kid I knew. Wow. We sold T-shirts, CDs. Uh, we made some mobile apps together. And then we went off our separate ways to school. I went to university in Boston, yeah. and that's where Laith yeah. and I started playing basketball on Snapchat. I would yeah. record a shot on my phone in Boston, send it to Laith in Milwaukee, like, hey, that's a left corner elbow jumper. And if he, he'd send it back, uh, <laughs> that's how we played horse against each other 1,000 miles away. Uh, I love it. And I so that's it. where the idea first started about 10, 11 years ago in college. 
That's great. Now, were you guys in elementary school together then? Yeah, so you think you lived about 15, 20 miles away from what you told me. Yeah, 15, 20 miles away. Never the same school, Never the same school. Uh, but we grew up very close. Hung out a lot. That's great. Yeah. Got it. So what do you remember about those horse games? Who um, won? You know, I remember <laughs> Paul's a little bit of a better shooter than I am. So it was a little <laughs> bit of a struggle. So I'd always try to come up with creative shots to take that he would miss. Um, so I'd always try to get creative with my shot placement to see if I could beat him out on a shot or two here and there. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's hear a little bit about your earlier life. Uh, brothers and sisters, Paul? One little brother, Frankie. And Frankie, Laith, and I, and Laith's little brothers and sisters all grew up together. So we all are very close. Gosh, that's great. And Laith, how many kids, how many siblings do you I have? I have one brother and two sisters, all younger. Nice, nice. So both of your dads were immigrants and both met in college, right? So they've known each other for a long time, too. What, what kind of businesses were they in by the time you guys came around? My father, uh, we, we grew up in the jewelry business. My grandfather had a jewelry store. My grandfather was also an inventor. He invented the Naka. It was a front baby placement holder. So having the baby on your chest with a bunch of different components and compartments in the, in the front to hold ah, food. Cool. So he had a Wisconsin state patent. Like a stuff. harness, right? That uh, would have a harness. And stuff in yeah, it. yeah, way long ago sweet. in the 50s, 60s. Uh, so he was an inventor, then jewelry store owner. And then my father... Um, went into the restaurant business and we actually lived above our restaurant growing up. It was a Mexican restaurant in Milwaukee called La Perla. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. A Greek American opened a Mexican restaurant. That's yeah. not possible. How does that I know. Happen? All of our cousins had Greek restaurants. So if they, we would have opened up a Greek restaurant at the time, it, it would have killed us. <laughs> it's just been, you know, taking away business from everyone else. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Was it one of the first Mexican restaurants in Milwaukee? Not one of the first, but one of the yeah. largest and, and most yeah. renowned, uh, famous Marquette bar uh, and, and restaurant. So a lot of awesome. people in Milwaukee know it. It was around for about 20, over 20 years. Cool, cool. And what about your mom, Paul? She played basketball at Marquette, and then she ah, worked for Senator. The basketball comes, huh? <laughs> and then she worked for Senator Herb Cole, uh, who's an okay. amazing man, amazing Milwaukeean, uh, who has owned the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, yeah. I grew up going to those Bucks games with my mom. And sometimes the nice. teams were so were so dreadful. I used to be doing homework at the games. Uh, <laughs> I love it. My thought about your parents. Yeah, like uh, like we mentioned, my father was an immigrant as well. Um, yeah. He actually, when he moved here, couldn't speak English. So in, uh, in, in learning to do that, he was working at the student union at the University of Wisconsin. Um, yeah. He was chopping tomatoes in there just to pay for ESL classes, uh, learn how to speak English. And then from there, he started school at the University of Wisconsin, uh, finished uh, a business administration degree. Yeah. And then he went on to found a, um, it's a real estate development company that does projects all over the world. Nice. Uh, him and his brothers and been very successful at that. Yeah. Uh, my mother was a, a stay-at-home mother. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she was great for kids and, and a lot on her plate. And my father was working all over the world. So lots of kids. Uh, definitely learned, learned a lot from both of my parents. Cool. Cool. Where, where in the Arab world did he come from? Uh, we're originally Palestinian, um, but due to the occupation, we had relocated to Jordan at the yeah, time. Right, right. Um, my grandfather was a uh, gym teacher in Palestine and an olive oil uh, farmer. So he had olive trees and he would produce olive oil back in the motherland. Nice, nice. Correct. Well, you kind of hit on that a little bit. That was my next question. What were some of the lessons that you learned growing up, particularly with her uh, immigrant parents? I uh, really just, uh, anything is possible. Um, yeah. you know, I always looked up to my father. He always told me a quote, uh, that really resonated with me and stuck with me as I grew. And it was, uh, when there's a will, there's a way. 
Yeah. And what yeah. that taught me is never give up. As long as you have the will to do something, there's always a way and a solution to figure that out. Right. Um, definitely apply that in, in hoop and on a day to day basis. Uh, both Paul and myself, we, we don't give up on anything. Uh, we don't take no for an answer. There's always a way. If you can't make a way, make a way through. Um, right. So that really kind of stuck with me. And, and it's, it's super important. I sort of live by that, uh, that quote on a day to day basis. So I want to hear a little bit about uh, you too, Paul. Tell us, uh, you know, or some of those inspiring messages. And it could be from your parents, maybe grandparents if they came over or, you know, teachers or other folks that had an influence on you in the early days. Uh, Laith really hit it on the head. When there's a will, there's a way. We live yeah. by that. Um, my father sort of instilled in me just go for it. Um, I would not have pursued this career or this occupation of entrepreneurship without them supporting me, my parents, both my mother and father. So yeah. uh, definitely owe it a lot to them. Right. Awesome. So I want to hear a little bit about those early entrepreneurial activities. What, what was the, do you, what do you guys remember the first thing that you guys did together way back when? We sold a lot of t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> what kind of t-shirts? Uh, they <laughs> were just we say it over the air. This oh, is yeah, a family we, show. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just, uh, cities we we just put cities new york new york yeah. miami florida chicago we made some yeah. cool designs and sold and sold t-shirts um we sold cds we used to um burn cds and have a back in the day you could only burn 12 to 16 songs but Lathan and i found a way to put 100 200 songs on a cd wow yeah making those first playlists totally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say which artist right so we'll keep that off the air how, how old are you in your first venture your t-shirt venture we were probably 12 13 around nice. middle school age seventh grade eighth grade nice and you didn't go to school together so was this kind of after school did you guys do that on weekends when did you guys kind of yeah all have? weekends yeah yeah yep, and summers and, too we would get together summers. in summers and you know work hot dog carts for you know other people and just really figure out any way to make money um, we were both it. very entrepreneurial growing up. I love it. Who would you sell the uh, t-shirts to? Was it just other classmates or did you guys set up stands or Outside retail stores? Uh, yeah. Stands like, you know, Summerfest yeah. in Milwaukee was, was a big one, uh, a lot of foot traffic. So we'd just be standing outside these big festivals and, and just trying to sell whatever we could. Nice. And and where did that money go? What were you guys' vices at those at those ages? <laughs> or were you saving up for big things? Basketball shoes and basketball, uh, basketball gear, honestly. Yeah, we're Jordan's getting the theme here. What's that? Jordans are not cheap. So, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, Jordan. yeah. By the way, speaking of Jordan, have you guys seen the new movie? Did you see Air yet? Yes, we did. Oh, isn't that fabulous? What a it wonderful is. story. You know, I had no way. I, I, I honestly didn't know that that was the first, you know, athletic participant or athlete participation in the uh, percentage of, you know, the licensing of the shoes. And wow, has that served him well <laughs> and the industry in that regard? Love that story. So, uh, you went from t-shirts to CDs and, and then what were you guys doing by the time you were in high school? Were you, were you working steady jobs? Did you keep up with the entrepreneurial stuff? Well, I lived above my parents' family restaurant, so there was okay. no getting away from work. You, yeah, yeah. The only escape was basketball. They only let me off if I had basketball <laughs> practice. So I just started playing a lot of basketball, joining AAU teams, our high school team, um, right. played varsity throughout high school, um, won a state championship my senior year, but was working that whole time with busboy, right. um, sometimes served drinks at the bar. I, I learned to do it all. And you played basketball as well, right? Yeah, I played basketball as well. Um, uh, my father used to work between Jordan and the United States. So a couple of years, we'd move back to Jordan and then come back yeah. to the United States. So I ended up playing varsity uh, at the American Community School of Amman, Jordan, Coach Robert Taylor. Uh, he coached a couple of the Middle Eastern national teams. He was a great coach. 
Um, and then when I came back, I started working at a, a hotel in Milwaukee the intercontinental and that's ironically the same hotel that all the nba players would come stay at ah, it was next cool. to the bradley center so i got to meet a lot of nba players make a lot of those connections Sweet. and really that kind of helped um with what we're doing with hoop right now yeah yeah well how, how what was the attraction of basketball are you, are you guys tall you know was it just kind of the, the most attractive sport was it because mom was involved you know how did that how did that come together for you as an interest in early age I think in Wisconsin, basketball was everything. I mean, I yeah. think 20,000 plus people watched our state championship game. It was more watched than, than certain shows. Uh, basketball is really yeah. everything in the Midwest, Indiana, Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, Detroit, St. Louis. Basketball is everything there. When did you start playing, Paul? Basketball. Very young. I mean, Very young. Pick up, pick up games and you're still single digits and stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You as well, like when when, it, when was basketball, uh, you know, important to you about the same age? Yeah, about the same age. Uh, yeah. Always grew up playing ball, and then uh, middle school and high school, I had to make a choice between uh, soccer, varsity, and basketball, and ended up choosing basketball. My coach right. put me through that choice, and I chose basketball. Now, was college in your guys' background? Tell me a little bit about kind of that decision and, and what happened getting out of high school. Yeah, so I really wanted to stay in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, and go to school. But once I got into Boston College, my parents made me. They made me promise that I would I would go. They thought Boston was a great city for a young man to, yeah. to grow up. So I went to school in Boston. Late stayed behind in Milwaukee. I felt bad leaving him, but uh, my parents sort of pushed me out the door. But we stayed in touch throughout throughout college and really stayed in touch by playing basketball on Snapchat. It right. was our it was our weekly thing. And late you went on to college as well? Yep, I stayed in uh, Milwaukee. I was at the in University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Got it. And and what did you guys study? I studied business, and then Paul yeah. studied law. Right. Got it. Did you go on to get a law degree, Paul? I did. I went to law school in the University of San Francisco right. uh, School of Law, and I passed the bar in California and Wisconsin, and was working as a lawyer uh, a little bit before we started Who. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So. Uh, during the college years, you guys were obviously apart, you know, a couple, a few, a few states in between Midwest and the Northeast. Were there entrepreneurial things going on there? And if so, what were they? What, what were you guys doing at those times? Yeah, I got into the billboard business. We had one opportunity oh, okay. to get a permit. So we started with the first digital billboard, uh, privately owned digital billboard uh, on a Wisconsin state highway. We started yes. with one, grew to 10, and eventually sold that business uh, several years later. Um, to one of the nation's leading advertisers. So it, cool. my first hardware company ended up being a success. Yeah, cool, cool. And what about you? Yeah, um, I was fortunate enough, uh, you know, my father owned the real estate company, so he would bring me in to do a lot of work for him as well. Um, I right. would end up traveling with him, just taking meeting notes, uh, really learning how to navigate meetings with various individuals. Oh. So I did that a little bit, um, and then I had come back to the States after college, and then from that point on, I joined a couple startups. Uh, one I helped co-found, which is a luxury rideshare app, uh, super successful, uh, did really well, got acquired by a company in the Middle East also, and then moved on from there and joined an artificial intelligence recruitment startup. And during that time is when we came up with Hoop. Uh, yeah. Once we came up with Hoop, immediately quit my job the following day, and then Paul and I got working right away. That's awesome. So did you move to Boston then? No, I did not move to Boston. I stayed yeah. in uh, Wisconsin, and then I moved out to California thereafter. And you guys are both in California now, is that correct? Yes. 
Yeah, because that's, I think, one of your investors. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to hear more about that. But um, so so when you were working, were you actually based in the Middle East in Jordan? Or did you have a job? Was, was your dad's real estate business tied to, to the Middle East as well? It, it was. It was actually yeah. tied to multiple places. Um, like they had operations in various countries, but that was the, the home base. Right. Right. And did you guys both, and maybe you can tell me a little bit about, you know, management responsibilities. When, when did you start managing and leading people? What jobs were those? Uh, my digital billboard company called Atlas Media is when I first started managing people. Um, we had a whole sales team. We were selling to Smirnoff, ESPN, Yahoo, all these big companies. And uh, it was a lot of work. So I led a team of about three to four people. And that was sort of the first experience I got. Uh, Lath was leading a team of much larger than that at, at QUP. Um, expanding to over 50, 60 cities worldwide. So um, Lath was much farther ahead than I was uh, at, in terms of the entrepreneurial journey at when we first started connecting on Hoop. Yeah. And Lath, so w- w- did, did you start managing people about the same period of time? Yeah, we were both We were both uh, around the college age, right at the yeah. end of college in 2014, 15 is when we this all started with our separate entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journeys. Uh, and we were both sort of managing people sort of young. We were 23, 24 years old, uh, doing that. Yeah, and then, cool. um, ended up meeting in, was in Milwaukee again on spring break in 2019. Nice. And I created an app on augmented reality glasses with some friends, you know, Apple just dropped their vision pro, but I had been working on those, uh, five, six years before that, before that point. And we created an app that allowed people to play basketball against each other remotely. It was right, a simple app right. that detected makes and misses. Uh, and I did that in San Francisco sort of during the summer, during my 1L summer, we started by the end of this law school, it was complete and then participated in an accelerator, raised a little bit of money for it. And then, uh, we had a demoable app and I actually, that Lace was one of the first people I demoed for cool. and he came and played that game and said, Hey, this is pretty cool, but <laughs> it's not the best experience ever. There's these clunky glasses on your head. Like what if we took this game and put a screen on a backboard and that's cool. how Hoop started. That's that's the background. Well, as I said, I'm not at the bit to get into it, but I want to get a get capture a little bit of some of that, you know, early management experience. You think about those back back in those days or in your early 20s. What you know, what were some of those early management lessons, particularly when working with others? Um, I think a lot of it is just, uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of a fine line between time, like timelines and decision making speed. Um, you really have to find like the right point in between those two, like if it was on an axis, um, you know, speed is extremely important with startups and decisions are super important. And you really want to make sure you're making the right calculated decisions because mistakes can cost a lot of money. Right. So really it's just finding that fine line, um, between decision-making and speed. Yeah. Paul. I was, uh, not the best manager at first. I, I was sort of young and uh, I looked really young and it was, I sort of felt like I wasn't able to command respect. So I kept on reading management books and I was basically listening to me. It was like listening to a textbook back in the day. I was just repeating things <laughs> I was reading. Um, and I, I sort of grew out of that and sort of found my own uh, pace since then. Yeah, cool. Great. And so uh, let's get to the hoop story because I'm dying to hear more about it. So the app kind of developed. You got the idea, hey, put some sort of a screen together. So tell us just a basics of what hoop is. And, and, you know, one of you or both of you kind of describe what the product is and, you know, how things kind of evolved in those very early days. 
Yeah, Hoop's the world's first smart basketball hoop with a screen mm -hmm. for a backboard. Allows you to train like a pro, track your performance, and play against other hoop users. We have the ability to stream your favorite games, shows, and highlights while you play basketball. Um, that's sort of all the features. When we first launched, you know, Paul and I had all these ideas. We wanted to have, you know, thousands of features and thousands of different ways to do things. And, you know, just to get something to market, you have to start chipping away at certain things. And we sort of figured out, okay, what's the best way to get this to market, the fastest way to get it to market, and, you know, giving something great to our, to our users. And we figured out that the gaming, training, and streaming components were the top three and the ability to play with people from all over the world. And that's sort of what we, we went with. And Paul, feel, feel free to add more to that. Yeah. Paul? Yeah, you nailed it on the head. Uh, chipping away at things. We had to strip a lot of the features that we wanted just to get a prototype out of the door. Um, but simplification is everything. Yeah. So, so it's a physical screen, right? And where does it sit? I mean, how does it kind of, you know, get installed and, and how do people use it? So it's a physical screen with cameras on the hoop that track, well, just one camera now that tracks everything you do on the court, uh, but it's installed just like a regular basketball hoop. So installers who've installed Spalding hoops and other hoops out there, they know exactly how to install our hoop. Um, we haven't really changed much. The screen is right in the backboard. It's a big, big screen and you can see all of your stats right from the screen. You can stream your favorite apps like YouTube and ESPN. And you can also get training, million dollar training from NBA level trainers right from your driveway and home court. Wow. Wow. So it's, it's a literally a TV screen or a video screen uh, that allows you to play, right. And see yourself play and get tips uh, while you're playing. And does it also kind of show you where to shoot or, you know, how, how, how does it interact with you? Uh, do you wear a headset? You know, is it something that has a mi microphone or a speaker there? Nothing. You walk up, right. You don't even need a phone. Now you can walk up right with a basketball, make a layup and the hoop is on and it starts tracking your shots. Uh, you, it teaches you how to shoot, where to bend your elbow, where to bend your knees. It gives you makes misses, swishes, trajectory, shot location, and a couple more cool stats we're going to add as well. Uh, but it gives you all those stats, and then you have fun games like most free throws in 60 seconds, most three-pointers in two minutes, uh, Horace Pig, uh, Great American Shooting Challenge, Around the World. We have all these fun games. And then training sessions, interactive training sessions, where we've had NBA players run through these, and you see how you stack up against some of the best players in the world. Wow, cool. And it, it has audio as well then, or is it, is it, I mean, yep. how does that, how, how do you interact with the, uh, with the hoop? 40 watts, like 40 watt speakers. So you can play your favorite music wow. from Apple music, Spotify, whatever you want. It's just like Bluetooth speakers and, uh, everything's right. controlled through a mobile app. Uh, but like I said, you can sort of walk up to the hoop with a basketball, any basketball, doesn't matter what you have and make a layup and the, and the screen will start up and our, our classic quick game will start. When was the first prototype made? So we've been through probably, I would say, eight iterations now until um, yeah. we got to the to mass production. Um, the first one was one that Paul and I actually put together ourselves. Uh, we, we sort of put a screen onto a regular backboard and attached the camera at the top just to see if this was feasible. Sure. Um, it was super ugly, um, but it was functional. <laughs> we, we were able to prove out the concept of what we were trying to build, and you know we didn't have any funding at that time. So we sort of bootstrapped, uh, you know, the first uh, iteration ourselves just to get a proof of concept going. And yeah. we proved that the technology works. And then from there, it was how do we get this to a bill of materials that we can work with and that 
get a, get it to a good price point that you know would be fair to consumers. We wanted to make this as cheap and as affordable as possible. Right. So we just started to strip away at certain components, play with different solutions, and then that took us to our second iteration. But first one, hideous, very ugly, but it was a great proof of concept. <laughs> You're holding on to that, right? Like you know the original Mac, you know. Uh, computer you got to have that first apple too sitting around somewhere yes we are <laughs> keep it for the museum and and when did you go into commercial production this year this yeah. year it's been all prototyping uh up to this year and we've awesome. yeah we've iterated eight times i'd say a little bit more than that with some minor tweaks and things probably uh, added up to 50 times but uh finally finally there in 2023 so four and years I think as yeah. So you guys began to self-fund it, I'm sure. And then did you kind of do friends and family and then bring outside? Tell us a little bit about your funding journey or what you can tell us anyway. Yeah, we started, uh, we bootstrapped about 60,000 of our own money uh, just cool. to get it off the ground. We created yeah. some marketing materials. We paid for some patent research, um, you know, got our corporation docs going, formed the company. We brought in one individual at the time just to help us. Uh, so we were about a team of three. Um, and then we brought in a, a head of manufacturing just to help us get this, you know, manufactured and prototyped and off the ground. Um, after that, we took those materials that we made. Uh, Paul executed on an excellent commercial, uh, which is the hoop commercial that is, is on YouTube right now. We took that commercial along with all the research, the patent work that we've done and a plan to execute on, on these first units and the technology. Uh, we raised a friends and family round. We mm. raised... Uh, about a million at first and then with more traction we ended up raising three uh that was our pre-seed round and then we cool. ended up raising another eight million uh which was our most recent round of funding bringing us to 11 million in total nice nice and uh vcs do you have any you know private equity firms involved or is it more angel investors at the stage it's a mix between angels and vcs yeah yeah cool cool and how many units sold so far close to one thousand. wow Nice, nice. And yeah. shipping all over the world? Are you kind of limited in your We're manufacturing geography? Just to the U.S. and, and North yeah. America and Canada and Mexico this first year, uh, yeah. but we'll be shipping early 2024 around the world. Nice, nice. And where are you manufacturing? Uh, we're manufacturing right here. We're assembling everything in the United States right now in San nice. Diego. So we're, yeah. we sort of built our factory around our best engineer, and now our basically our whole team is here. Great, great. And how many employees today? 18. 18. Great. And so you're all, you're all basically in San Diego. Great, great place to be. I think I told you guys, that's where I grew up. So, uh, I'm yeah. envious. <laughs> yeah, we have three quarters, of, about three quarters of us are, uh, are in San Diego and a couple other are just kind of spread out. Got it. And, and, you know, what kind of functions are you currently filling? I mean, you've got a man, head of manufacturing, it sounds like, uh, you've got sales and marketing efforts. Or are you guys still doing that as well? We, we do all we, we do all the sales and marketing ourselves till date. Nice. Uh, we haven't spent a single dollar on paid ads or any marketing. It's all just been word of mouth and our nice. own organic growth. Uh, our team is mostly compromised of engineers. Right. Cool. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about kind of your leadership style. I, I, what, what do you think's changed in these last several years since you've gotten into Hoop and now you know got a sizable team as you continue to grow? Uh, our management style is really best idea wins. Um, yeah. we, we, titles are not big. No one knows each other's titles. We're co-founders, but some days we're factory workers and, <laughs> and truck drivers. And, uh, it's really the best idea wins. Um, we have an intern this summer, an amazing intern who's actually like 
made some product decisions that have gone into the product. So I think that sort of speaks volumes to how this company is run. It's really run by the best ideas and everyone has been participating. We have a really solid team and yeah, our intern Simon has uh, gotten some product ideas into the final product. So that's how, that's how willing and open we are to, to the good ideas. That's great. And does Simon come from a, a local university there? Or he did. He came from Berkeley and uh, Berkeley. he was a friend of one of our employees. Uh, nice. There was a lot of kids messaging us from around the country asking to work for free. Um, <laughs> and Simon, we, we, we picked Simon because he had came highly recommended and ended up being great. That's great. Would you say you guys have got like a defined company culture at this stage? And if so, you know, share that with us. You know, our company culture, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's really whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, yeah. Everybody here adds an immense amount of value. Everybody's a self-starter. Um, it's almost like we're built like an NBA team. So um, everybody has to perform in order to get the minutes. And right. that's sort of how we've, uh, you know, framed everything around that. And, um, you know, it's startups, you have to put in the extra work. You have to put in the extra hours. Right. Uh, we have to meet our deadlines. Uh, you're operating on a certain amount of burn. So your expectation is, is very high from everybody. So the, the pressure is high, but everybody handles the pressure extremely well. Right. You said that you had some NBA players exposed to it. What, what kind of response have you got from the pros and college players? They love it. Um, we, they, we started demoing for kids, high school athletes, college athletes, and then we started demoing for NBA players and they all loved it. Um, they just love beating the high scores. Whenever you have a highly competitive athlete and a leaderboard, things go well. Right, and they, right. they, they love beating all each other's high scores. And um, some of them weren't even able to, to get to the top. I mean, we had some really good shooters out there. And I think that's what you're going to find on our platform is some shooters out there are better shooters than NBA players. And you, it's hard to believe, but they are. So it's <laughs> well, getting it's really competitive. Yeah, it's getting yeah. really competitive. Cool. Have you gotten any, uh, you know, universities involved? Any, are you doing any kind of sales to, you know, teams that would use it as a coaching device or is it much more of a entertainment recreational, you know, fun positioning? Yeah. Schools and teams. Uh, th that's really where we want to go. Uh, we mm -hmm. want to get this because that's how we get to hundreds of kids. And that's really who we built yeah. it for is the younger versions of ourselves. So playing at schools and gyms and, and teams are, are really where we're trying to get this product to this year and, and throughout for the next several years. So that's really our target market. And that's really what we're, we're trying to do. It's, it's a great learning device for kids. You can really learn and stay active. Um, we're seeing a really high increase in just basketball play. Um, people are playing more on our hoop than traditional hoops just because they get so sucked into these leaderboards and, and these training sessions that it's just, mm. you don't even realize that how long you're playing for, but um, we see 200 to 500 shots per session on average. Wow. That's so cool. And what's your goals in terms of sales? You know, how many units you have to be in a year to, you know, kind of get to that break even and beyond? So our goal is to really deliver an excellent customer experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to focus on our first thousand users, which we already have right now. Um, our goal is to hit a thousand this year and then grow uh, sustainably next year and, and scale from there. So just making sure that all of our users love the product, making sure we're taking all of that feedback and, and, and really analyzing it and seeing how we can do better or, you know, what the response looks like. But so far with our beta users, everything is going well. But our focus right now for this year is just finishing up this year with our thousand units delivered and then we'll go from there.
Awesome. And uh, are you able to deliver upgrades through the, you know, the wiring and the and the technology themselves? Is that part of what yes. the uh, product will offer? We yeah. do over the air updates, uh, even with yeah. our beta users. Now we're sending daily updates, taking the feedback from them and uh, fixing, you know, whatever issues that we might have. So everybody that gets a hoop, you'll get all the updates over the air. You won't even have to do anything. And how active are you engaged with those community? Are you talking to all thousand of those folks and, you know, soliciting ongoing input from them? How, how does that work and who manages that? Yeah, we, we are. So we have these beta users now who are actually actively using the product and playing on the product. And we have our customers who are still waiting for their products. So we have to make sure that, you know, we're, we're engaging with these customers, uh, keeping them updated on delivery times and the status of their orders. So we're, we're keeping very close with every single consumer. Uh, customer service is very important to us, and we, right. we aim to keep our customer service center here local in the United States uh, to really give that white glove service to all of our consumers. Nice. Love that. And, um, you know, from a um, kind of a user standpoint, uh, you know, are the folks that are buying it or, or are, are you selling? I think you mentioned this earlier, selling mostly to schools or you have a lot of individual purchasers what's kind of been the split I'm, I'm keen to know kind of what channels are picking up the quickest right now it's actually 70 percent direct to consumer families and nice. really mainly florida texas california have been the main three states our top three states um, yeah. and then 30 percent b2b to schools gyms youth development organizations right and can people self-install or do they need uh you know someone to come out and put that up for them you can self-install, but you got to be a really know what you're doing. So we're going to have those videos out there on how to do it step-by-step. Step. We just shot a couple this week, actually. But we really have a group of preferred installers that we're going to uh, put on our website now that you should really use. Right. Cool. And have you been hiring new people or are you kind of in a stabilized, you know, right now with your 18 or 20 and, you know, working on just getting that, you know, uh, well balanced and obviously fine tuned from a staffing standpoint, you know, are, are you, where do you see yourself growing, you know, folks over the next few years? Yeah, we're growing. We're, we're hiring slow, uh, right now, but, um, I think the, the most, we haven't spent a single dollar on marketing yet. And I think that will be sort of next for us, but, um, engineers and products are, are always going to be our focus. I think we've put 90% of the capital we spent. Um, we just found out with our accountants this year has been in hardware. So we spent a lot of money on hardware. Now we're ramping up the software hiring. And then uh, marketing will probably be next towards the end of this year. Cool. Can you talk to us about pricing and how that works? Yeah. Um, so for the Hoop Classic, it's thirty nine ninety five, and then we have a subscription. Um, we haven't released the subscription price yet because we're still in beta, but that'll be right. coming out soon. Got it. And that'll be like a monthly type of subscription, what for updates and Correct. new Just things software, or how's that work? streaming, um, the ability yeah. to play remotely, track your stats, compete on the leaderboard and, and access to all the features. Yeah. Awesome. So as you bring in new people, what are some of the things you look for when you're making, you know, bets on the people you want to invest in and hire? Uh, like in terms of people that we hire? Yeah. People that you're bringing in, you know, it's easy to mention engineers and so forth, but you know, what are some of the soft skills that you think are going to be important for you guys? Yeah, uh, apart from technical work? skills, um, it's really the ability to be a team player. Um, you have to check your ego at the door. Um, right. like Paul mentioned the best idea always wins. So it doesn't matter if that idea comes from, you know, the CTO or from one of the lower engineers, um, whoever has the best idea, that's the idea that we're going to push forward with. Um, so yeah, you have to just be a team player. Uh, be organized, be punctual, and then 
if you say something and you plan to deliver on it, you know, you have to deliver on what you say. Yeah. So those are some yeah. of the, the soft skills that I look for. Paul, feel free to add more. Yeah, Paul, what do you, what about you? Um, self-starters. I think we've pretty much known the first three days, whether we made a good hire or not, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. that it's, uh, you can just tell really fast, um, whether they're going to be on, on the ball or whether you're going to have to constantly be, um, just sort of micromanaging, which we'd never want to do. So, right. um, we can tell pretty, pretty soon whether we made a good hire. And so far we've been pretty lucky, uh, thanks to Lath and his recruitment skills and, um, he sort of handles most of that. Right, right. It's got that AI uh, technical recruiting background. <laughs> Love it. Well, uh, you know, we're almost out of time, but a couple of last questions. Where, where can our listeners go and learn out more about you? Uh, it's not H-O-O-P. I know that. So where, where, where can they find out more about Hoop? H-U-U-P-E. Hoop.com. <laughs> and Hoop Official on social media is where you can find us. Um, you can place your pre-orders now and we will deliver your unit this year. Awesome. So. That's great. Um, that, How did you guys come up with that name? Was it just the, the, the equivalent of uh, the sound or, or was there something special behind the acronym? It's all around trademarking. Um, you yeah. know, we, we got it trademarked and, and the name just was uh, when Paul and I were deciding on a name and a scheme and a logo, it all came to us in 30 seconds. You know, if it's not the yeah. right one, you'll know right away. If it is the right one, you'll know right away. So we both said hoop, H-U-U-P-E. We came up with a little logo design. We both looked at each other and we were like, this is the one. That's it. I love it. Great. Well, one last question. We always ask this to all our CEO guests, and that's what kind of career and life advice would you give someone who, you know, has their eyes on their own corner office someday and or obviously wants to be entrepreneurs like yourselves? For me, um, I'll tell you that uh, it's not always a corner office. You know, sometimes you're in a warehouse, sometimes you're on the road, sometimes <laughs> you're a delivery driver. You know, some, that's right. You, you wear multiple hats. Um, yeah. You just have to be ready for whatever the challenge is. Uh, no, no task is too big or too small for anyone, uh, especially when you're trying to get off the ground. So my piece of advice would be just always check the ego at the door and, and whatever it takes to get the job done and never give up. I love it. Paul, anything to add? Yeah, I think uh, great companies are made by some great sacrifices, and it's mm-hmm. it's just really you ha- you have to a little bit. It's the unfortunate truth of this journey, but you have to make some big sacrifices. Um, I know Leith has made some big ones. He just had a ba- uh, got married, had a baby, and wow. was barely able to see them for a while. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen my family in a long time, but it's all for for these kids and uh, just bringing smiles to these kids keeps us going. So. Um, just be ready. If you're going to make this, make this journey, be ready. Fully committed, fully passionate. All right. Well, Paul Anton and Lysaid, co-founders of Hoop, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Brent. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.